The dark side and the Sith are evil. The Jedi and the light are good. Whatever else happens in the story, on the very basic fundamental level that is Star Wars, we can pretty much sum it down to good versus evil. But do the Sith consider themselves evil? Some would probably consider themselves pragmatic realists that believe evil acts are necessary for the greater good, kind of like Thanos, which for a Sith is pretty much the same thing. Power is always a greater good, though of course there are also those Sith that know they are evil, but embrace that about themselves, as the suffering of others only strengthens their connection to the dark side. What about the Jedi? Do they consider themselves to be good and noble? I would say some do, for sure. They are peacekeepers and champions of justice after all. But justice, legal justice that is, isn't necessarily always moral justice. Though the Jedi strive for peace and non-violence, they are not the Dalai Lama or Gandhi with glowing sticks in space. Jedi are the best trained and most lethal warriors in the galaxy. Even their children are more dangerous than your standard mercenary. Admittedly, this is legends now, but Anakin Skywalker had his first kill just a few years after the events of Episode 1. Probably not a unique experience for a Padawan, perhaps except for the Jedi that were placed in the Service Corps. Most of those at one point or another had to kill someone or someones at an early age. Now granted, their victims were not the pillar of galactic society, and more lives were probably saved from their ideology of, you know, we gotta remove this guy, yet killing at the same time isn't noble. It isn't peace, so could it be called justice? It depends on who you ask. Regardless of justifications, killing is never good. So are the Jedi then good? or bad? Or do they merely just choose when? Well, Mace Windu has his own view on this, which I'm going to share with you today. This comes, of course, from Matthew Stover's Shatterpoint novel. Mace has returned to his homeworld of Haruncal in search of his former apprentice Depa Balaba, who he fears might have turned to the dark side. A native Korun named Nick Rostu, along with other Kirunal in his group, are trying to escort Mace to the fallen Jedi, who awaits her former master deep within the darkness of the planet's savage jungle. Despite my determination to hold myself unbiased, until I could see her, speak with her, feel her essence in the Force, despite my resolve to ask nothing and hear nothing, despite all my years of self-discipline and self-control, the heart has power that no discipline can answer. So I asked him. I told him of Depa's words of the Data Wafer, how she called herself the darkness in the jungle, and how she said that she had finally gone sane, how I fear that in fact she has fallen to the dark and is irretrievably mad. And Nick, crazy, he said with a laugh. You're the one who's crazy. If she was crazy, nobody'd follow her would they? But when I asked if he meant she was alright, he responded, that depends on what you mean by alright. I need to know if you've seen her act from anger or fear. I need to know if she uses the force for her own personal gratification, for gain, or for revenge. I need to know how much hold the dark side has on her. You don't have to worry about that, he told me. I've never met someone kinder or more caring than Master Balaba. She's not evil. I don't think she could be. This isn't about good and evil, I told him. This is about the fundamental nature of the Force itself. Jedi are not moralists. That's a common misperception. We are fundamentally pragmatic. The Jedi is altruistic less because to be so is good than because to be so is safe. To use the Force for personal ends is dangerous. This is the trap that can snare even the most good, kind, caring Jedi. It leads to what we call the dark side. Power to do good eventually becomes just power, naked force. An end in itself. It is a form of madness to which Jedi are peculiarly susceptible. Nick answered this with a shrug. Who knows the real reasons why anybody does anything? This was not a comforting response, and the rest of what he told me was worse. So, 
For Mace, the Jedi aren't good, but they're pragmatic, which, as I said, I think is also how some Sith see themselves. The Jedi are not altruistic to be good, instead they are altruistic to be safe. Do you agree with that? Would Yoda have the same view? Obi-Wan? Anakin? Shakti? It also appears that Mace even thinks of the dark side as some sort of insanity. If it is, then are the Sith responsible for their own actions, or are they as much victims of the dark side as though they unleash it on? It also appears that Mace even thinks of the dark side as some sort of insanity. If it is, then are the Sith responsible for their own actions, or are they as much victims of the dark side as those they unleash it on? This is a very revolutionary way of thinking. Are Sith maybe just victims of the dark side? I thought it was interesting that he said Jedi were peculiarly susceptible to the dark side. Can that be true? I suppose the more you study and grow stronger in the Force, the closer to the dangers of the dark side you get, given how many times that the Jedi have had members of their own fall to the dark side and become Sith Lords in their thousands upon thousands of years long history, perhaps the best way they could have defeated their dark counterparts would have been to put a stop to their own order. If the Jedi refused to teach the Force ever again and packed up their robes, sabers, and temples and just ended on purpose, would that have lessened the impact of the Sith? As we know, it takes two to tango. Personally, I don't think so. I think the Sith would have just continued to be the Sith because their ideologies are their own, and the problem in the galaxy that exists is that the Jedi don't like their ideologies because they affect everyone else negatively for their own greater good. But we can also argue, does less Jedi equal less Sith? Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for watching this video. See you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, and welcome to another series where we're gonna be covering some of the books, and today's book is gonna be Shatterpoint. Now this is a book all about Mace Windu, and it takes place between episode two and episode three. There's tons of really interesting stuff in here, so let's get started with today's video, which is gonna be about Yoda's first lesson from Mace Windu. Now I'm gonna first start off by saying, perhaps Anakin's greatest weakness and strength was the same thing, his attachment towards those that he loved. Now attachment is a very powerful emotion that can form wonderful positive bonds, but if it becomes too intense, it can lead to obsession, and if someone can wield the force, that can very quickly become especially dangerous as we all know with where it took him. Therefore, attachment can easily become obsession, and obsession can easily turn to madness, and from there, we can say you'll end up in the dark side. So because of how dark and destructive the consequences of attachment can be, it is the very first lesson the Jedi attempt to teach their infant younglings, including Baby Mace Windu. The following is an excerpt from Matthew Stover's Legends book, Star Wars Shatterpoint. Mace Windu has returned to the planet of his origin, Harun Kal in his search for his former student. Now this is a Jedi Master who may have fallen to the dark side on her last mission to his home world. As he returns to Harun Kal for the third time in his life, counting when he was born, Mace struggles with his attachment towards his former apprentice, so he begins to think back to the very first lesson that Yoda taught him. Let's read the excerpt and then we can talk about it. The sole planet of the Alhar system. Harun Kal is the name given to it in the language of the indigenous human population, the Kurunai. It translates to basic as above the clouds. From space, the world appears to be oceanic, with only a few green-topped islands rising from a restless, multicolored sea. But this is deceptive. The sea that these islands punctuate is not liquid, but an ocean of heavier-than-air toxic gases, which plume endlessly from the planet's innumerable active volcanoes. Only on the mountaintops and the high plateaus can oxygen-breathing life survive, and not on many of these, unless they rise far above the cloud sea, they're vulnerable to Harun Kal's unpredictable winds, especially during Harun Kal's brief winter, 
when the Thakiz Bakal, the downstorm, blows. The wind can whip the thick cloud sea high enough to scour lowlands free of oxygen breathers within hours. Its capital, Pelek Ba, is located on the sole inhabitant landmass, the plateau known as the Karunal Highland, and is the largest permanent settlement on this primarily jungle-covered planet. The indigenous humans live in small seminomadic tribal groups called Gosh, and avoid the settlements, which are maintained by off-worlders of a wide variety of species. The Karunai lump all off-worlders and settled folk under the somewhat contemptuous category of Balawi, or in other words, downfolk. There's a long history of unorganized local conflicts. This doesn't help. I can't fit what I know of Harun Kal into a guidebook description. Too much of what I know is the color of the sun flash and the smell of the wind off grandfather's shoulder, the silken ripple of a grasser's undercoat through my fingers, the hot, fierce sting of an ak-dog's forced touch. I was born on Harun Kal, far back in the highland. I am a full-blooded Korun. A hundred generations of my ancestors breathed that air and drank that water ate the fruit of that soil and were buried deep within it. I've returned only once, 35 standard years ago, but I have carried that world with me, the feel of it, the power of its storms, the upswelling tangle of its jungles, the thunder of its peaks. But it is not home. Home is Coruscant. Home is the Jedi Temple. I have no recollection of my infancy among the Kurunai. My earliest memory is of Yoda's kindly smile and enormous gentle eyes close above me. It is still vivid. I don't know how old I might have been, but I am certain I could not yet walk. Perhaps I was too young to even stand. In memory, I can see my plump infant's hands reaching up to tug at the white strangles of hair above Yoda's ears. I recall squalling, shrieking like a wounded glowbat, as Yoda prefers to describe it as some kind of toy, a rattle it might have been bobbed in the air just beyond my grasp. I recall how no amount of shouting, screaming, howling, or tears could draw that rattle one millimeter closer to my tiny fist. And I recall the instant I first reached out for the toy without using my hands, how I could feel it hanging there. And I could feel how Yoda's mind supported it, and a whisper of the force began to hum in my ears. The next lesson, Yoda had come to take the rattle away, and I, with my infant's instinctive selfishness, had refused to release it, holding on with both my hands and all I could summon of the force. The rattle broke, to my infant mind, a tragedy like the end of a world, for that had been Yoda's way of introducing the Jedi law of non-attachment. Holding too tightly to what we love will destroy it and break our hearts as well. So, this is pretty cool. Heartbreak is the Jedi's first lesson. The Jedi try to condition their younglings from infancy to embrace non-attachment. It, it seems kind of mean, actually. You know, he's kind of like taunting this toy in front of baby Mace Windu. And then, all of a sudden, it breaks. And poor baby Mace was probably crying. Now, perhaps they're hoping if they learn this lesson so young, it'll stick on some subconscious level or something. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think the Jedi were a little bit too attached to the idea of non-attachment. Instead, they should have encouraged it but then learn to meditate and think calmly during heartbreak or moments of fear for those you love. Like how Anakin was supposed to bring balance to the Force, the Jedi could have found a balance between non-attachment and crazy obsession, but I feel like they were so afraid of anything that might make them have some sort of emotion outside of just being plain yogurt that they just sort of became these robotic dogs. And in the end, they were just adhering to what the Senate was telling them to do for the Republic for democracy. But anyways, we know only a Sith deals in absolutes, but in some ways it seems like Jedi kind of deal in absolutes too. 
They really think there's only one way to do something, when really there isn't. I think Qui-Gon was a revolutionary Jedi, and I even think Dooku was as well, but of course he went kind of crazy and went to the dark side fully. Whereas Qui-Gon stayed in the light, but he listened more to the Force. He wasn't persuaded and swayed so much like the Jedi were to follow the cries of the Republic. May said they were peacekeepers. But in actuality, they really were soldiers, which is something that Ahsoka comes to learn as to how civilians view the Jedi in Clone Wars Season 7. And now I know Trace and Rafa weren't the most popular amongst you guys, and hey, they were kind of boring even when I was watching it. But it did show you some things that we weren't able to see otherwise with how the civilians, how the public, viewed the Jedi. And this really played into how Anakin was starting to view them too. And it really allowed me and helped me to understand exactly where he was coming from. I mean, it's not like I didn't already, but it just helped me even more. So what are you guys' thoughts about this? Please let me know in the comments below. Do you think the Jedi were just a bit too attached to the idea of non-attachment? And this is a bit of a discourse. Do you think they should have allowed Anakin to actually go back and find his mother? Because he was going to do it anyways, and look what happened. They could have avoided that whole thing if they just somewhat believed in attachment a little bit and how to deal with it. I think Qui-Gon would have been the father that Anakin needed. But then again, this video is about Mace Windu and Yoda's teachings. But as always, it leads us into a different conversation, and that's the whole fun of it. Hope you have an awesome day. See you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always. Now, fulfill your destiny.